0: Welcome. This is the one-year Bible reading for May 6th, and we are continuing in the book book of Ruth today, beginning at the start of chapter two, and we will finish the book today. Now, there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. "'The Lord be with you,' he said. "'The Lord bless you,' the harvesters replied. "'Then Boaz asked his foreman, "'Who is that young woman over there? "'Who does she belong to?' "'The foreman replied, "'She is the young woman from Moab "'who came back with Naomi. "'She asked me this morning "'if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. "'She has been hard at work ever since "'except for a few minutes rest in the shelter.' And you'll recall that we read in the law that this was very much okay, and actually instructed to landowners to allow the poor to come and take what was left over rather than taking every bit of grain or harvest. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly and when you are thirsty help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly what have i done to deserve such kindness she asked i am only a foreigner yes i know boaz replied but i also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband i have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day and when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Where did you gather all this grain today? Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing kindness to us as well as to your dead husband that man is one of our closest relatives one of our family redeemers then ruth said what's more boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed good naomi exclaimed do as he said my daughter stay with his young women right through the whole harvest you might be harassed in other fields but you will be safe with him so ruth worked alongside the women in boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest Then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer and all the while she lived with her mother-in-law one day naomi said to ruth my daughter it's time i found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for boaz is a close relative of ours and he's been very kind uh, by letting you gather grain with his young women tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor now do as i tell you Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes then go to the threshing floor but don't let boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking be sure to notice where he lies down then go and uncover his feet and lie down there he will tell you everything he will tell you what to do i will do everything you say ruth replied so she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law after Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was good sp- in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Now, why is he sleeping in the threshing floor? He's the owner. So my commentary says that probably two reasons. One is to protect the grain from theft and the other is to take his turn at threshing. The threshing was done at night because the harvesting is done during the day. Then Ruth came quietly uncovered his feet and lay down and I'll stop here too and mention that this is not necessarily her uh, being a seductress Uh, just the opposite a servant would come and commonly lie at the feet of their master and even share their coverings so she is presenting herself uh, not as a, a woman of the night by any means but as his servant Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. "'Who are you?' he asked. "'I am your servant, Ruth,' she replied. "'Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer.' "'The Lord bless you, my daughter,' Boaz exclaimed. "'You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, "'for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. "'Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. "'I will do what is necessary.' For everyone in town knows that you are a virtuous woman but while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am stay here tonight and in the morning I will talk to him if he is willing to redeem you very well let him marry you but if he is not willing then as surely as the Lord lives I will redeem you myself now lie down here until morning so ruth lay at boaz's feet until the morning but she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other for boaz had said no one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor then boaz said to her bring your cloak and spread it out he measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back then he returned to the town when ruth went back to her mother-in-law naomi uh, naomi asked what happened my daughter Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her, and she added, He gave me these six scoops of barley and said, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, Just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there. Just then, the family redeemer he had mentioned came by, so Boaz called out to him, Come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called ten leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, You know Naomi, who came back from Moab. She is selling the land that belonged to our relative, Elimelech. I thought I should speak with you about it, so you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away, because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, All right, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz told him, of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires you to marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. Now, in those days, it was a custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction, so the other family redeemer drew off his sandal as he said to Boaz, "'You buy the land.' Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, "'You are witnesses today. I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malon, and with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife.' This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended." May you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. So Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age, for he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as though he were her own. The neighbor women said, Now at last Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. This is the genealogical record of their ancestor Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Animadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. And we know of course that the Messiah's line is going to come from this accounts this kinsman redeemer story. John chapter four, verse 43. At the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. Jesus asked, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, Go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was still on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, Yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, Your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. Psalm 105, beginning in verse 16. He, the Lord, called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed in his neck in an iron collar. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Then Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. The ruler of the nation opened his prison door. Joseph was put in charge of all the king's household. He became ruler over all the king's possessions. He could instruct the king's aides as he pleased and teach the king's advisors. Then Israel arrived in Egypt. Jacob lived as a foreigner in the land of Ham. And the Lord multiplied the people of Israel until they became too mighty for their enemies. Then he turned the Egyptians against the Israelites, and they plotted against the Lord's servants. But the Lord sent his servant Moses along with Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed miraculous signs among the Egyptians and wonders in the land of Ham. The Lord blanketed Egypt in darkness, for they had defied his commands to let his people go. He turned their water into blood, poisoning all the fish. Then frogs overran the land and even invaded the king's bedrooms. When the Lord spoke, flies descended on the Egyptians and gnats swarmed across Egypt. He sent them hail instead of rain and lightning flashed over the land. He ruined their grapevines and fig trees and shattered all the trees. He spoke and hordes of locusts came, young locusts beyond number. They ate up everything green in the land, destroying all the crops in their fields. Then he killed the oldest son in each Egyptian home, the pride and joy of each family. Proverbs fourteen, twenty-six and 27. Those who fear the Lord will be secure. He will be a refuge for their children. Fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. And to end today, we're back with Selwyn Hughes looking to have hind's feet in high places. And last time we talked about the danger of denial. And today we turn to the stark choice facing us from Luke 16, 10. Unless you are honest in small matters, you won't be in large ones. What is denial? It is the attitude that avoids looking realistically at issues and pretends that things are not the way they are. Most Christians, myself included, are to varying degrees held together by denial. Deep down, we sense that if we were to face the realities of life openly and honestly, we might not be able to cope. And so we pretend things are not what they are. I know Christians who pretend that what they have satisfies more than it does, or pretend that they haven't been hurt as badly as they have. They refuse to face and feel what is going on inside them due to the strange belief that it is a lack of faith on their part to admit to anything that is negative the teaching that we ought to ignore what is going on inside us instead of facing it and dealing with it is responsible for more casualties in the christian life than anything i know a christian psychologist says i am convinced that much of what we admire as spiritual maturity is a fragile adjustment to life based on the foundation of denial. My own observation would lead me to say that I have found some non-Christians to be more open and honest in facing what's going on inside them than some Christians. Is denial a wise plan for life? Absolutely not. The choice then is stark. Either deny and live comfortably, or face every issue painfully, and go on to climb the heights with God. Father, help us to see that we need never be afraid to face anything, for in you we have the resources to resolve all problems, not just skirt them. Show us how to blast denial right out of our lives once and for all. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you all. Have a wonderful day.